Welcome to the Belfry Hockey Podcast. I'm Daryl Belfry, and we are in Season 3, Episode 7 today. What we're going to do is pull all the pieces of this season. We're going to pull a lot of them together here and just talk a little bit about how these things can kind of work into a much more of a practical manner So, and how they interact together. So I'm going to call this like a target development environment where what we're going to try to do is is kind of create the process to build a what I would say would be an ideal interconnected team or group development environment where everyone's accounted for and the purposeful and intentional interpersonal de- dynamics creates a synergy that pulls the best from the group automatically and that the the group dynamic has to be the gasoline on the collective development and individual development. So the more we can make this group work together, the more we can get them to lean on each other, the more we can get them to get their personal development to be in sync with the group environment, then the better things are going to be. Plus, we want to build relationships between players, between staff and players, but it's going to be the relationships can be built on the results, and that's that's what I what I really want to be able to build. So, as we've gone through it, we've had the five kind of pieces that we've worked on so far. We have single structure uh, development, and that whole thing of like moving beyond that. That's kind of number one. Then parallel structures of getting either two or more people working together or two or more per people working in direct opposite to enhance the like to enhance the entire group that's that's what we want to do is kind of test one thing against the other and for the purpose of development and um, we do a lot of that stuff already but this I want it to be a lot more focused and in its proper place in the development progression Personal structure, so very important that each player has a good understanding of their own personal development habits, their own personal game, where they're trying to go, and have them educate them to the ability to understand, okay, wait a minute, in this drill, this is kind of the area that I need to focus on and be able to kind of deduct inside of everything that we're doing where they can apply themselves either from a strength perspective or that they can start working on other areas of their game that they know that they want to be able to build. And then interpersonal development structure, which is essentially the whole idea of being able to pull people together and have leadership that extends beyond the ego or the individual and get people to understand that the better the group gets, and the more we invest in the group and the better everyone starts to perform and the better everyone's practices, habits are, the more everyone's game habits are in sync, the better each individual is going to be. So if you want to pour gasoline on your, on your individual development path, then we have to leverage the collective of the group. That's you're going to be your best, your best approach. So in the end, we want to prove to every player on the team that together everyone achieves more that's basically what we're trying to do we're trying to prove the togetherness and build the character amongst the group and build those relationships in the, of where we want players to really appreciate what each 
player brings to the group and invest time in each one of those players and that they're doing that amongst each other and i think that that's really important and and i think that there's a few elements here that are really important like they got to learn how to lead themselves first how to be a how to be their the best ceo they can be of their own company teach them how to do that that's really important then we want them to behave with character so not just if you're in a group which we are we're on a team we got to make sure that we are appreciating what everyone brings to the table and build people up and and try to invest in people because that's good character and one of the telltale signs that i use to see um if people have the kind of character that works inside of a group is how they treat people who can't directly help them and too often we see in many environments that players only really invest in people that they think that can directly help them and if they can't then they'll appreciate them for everything other than the hockey so if the person that is not really a you know a hockey player that can totally help them then they're now going to be focused on just the personality pieces and they might enjoy spending time with them uh, away from the rink they might think that they're funny they might have a good time while they're in the room but in terms of investing in them passing them puck leveraging them to try to make them better that effort just isn't there and that's where i want to build that character for the whole group whether the person can help you or not directly we need to invest in everybody and and make everyone feel part of it and see what that investment might actually do because in the end you might be surprised at what value someone might be able to bring so that's a big part of it and then the other part that's really important is trying to solve this this insecurity epidemic and in hockey there's just so much insecurity especially amongst the top players um and you see it over and over and over again where they they just they really struggle with leadership because they can't get outside of the being insecure and the hardest part of that leadership is that when you are insecure it has a way of just crippling and and having it it almost behaves like a disease inside of a team where it just pulls people apart and uh and tears at the the real core of the team and so you know what well, this is an area where i feel like i just keep continuing to come back to over and over again is trying to find ways to help players become more secure more comfortable in their own skin more comfortable understanding that it's not a zero sum game and that if if you know they have this viewpoint many of them that there's a single pie and if someone cuts a piece of pie and takes that out well then that's a piece that I can't have and so they get very protective and so they just don't want to share they don't want to they don't want to share the limelight they don't want to share the puck they don't want to share you know the process they don't want to share ice time they don't want to share any of that because they're all concerned that if i give if you get something then that directly takes away from me which is not always the case so trying to expand 
then create a paradigm shift in mentality that, listen, we have this pie attitude and describe the pie attitude the way I just described it, but then say, but what you don't realize is we're running a bakery here. We have unlimited amount of pie. So if you want to give that whole, you can give the whole pie to this person because we got more. As a way of creating like a very simple analogy, understand that there's much more of an abundance here of opportunity for everyone than you than you think and so trying to really put people in that mind space is extremely difficult and myself i'm looking for ways to kind of do that one of the pathways that i think is really effective is the best play available uh, perspective i think is a good one and too often and you see it at every level but particularly in minor hockey you see this a lot where you know it's a two-on-one and uh the puck carrier is the best player on the team and the the other guy is is like the ninth or tenth forward and on the two-on-one you just know that that puck is not going to be passed over there it's just not going to happen the the player the best player has already made a decision as soon as they look over and they see who it is they're like that player i just don't trust that that player is going to score so I'm better off, even though the whole rank knows that I'm going to shoot it. The defenseman knows I'm going to shoot it. The goalie is already square. He knows I'm going to shoot it. And I'm going to take this bad shot that doesn't have a high projection to, to score. I'd rather do that than create the impression that I'm going to shoot it, pull the defenseman, pull the goalie, and then create a tap-in for this kid on the other side. I'm just not willing to do that because I don't trust them. And that that's a lack of that's a poor that's poor culture, number one. And it's a reflection of the of attitude and uh, and an ad and and an inability or unwillingness to invest in the development of others for the benefit of the group, which is in turn in the benefit of you. That's just that the, all those pieces just haven't registered and you see it over and over and over again. And, and this is where I feel like there's has to be much more of an investment in that whole idea. And that's just one I, uh, uh, one aspect of it. But there's this is where also that leadership piece comes in where we create these environments in which people have to the, the kids on the team have to learn to lead through inclusion and that is another thing that the whole uh, concept of leadership is so skewed um and and there really isn't an investment in leadership we give a kid a c and that's it they walk around uh like they own the place but they don't really do what leaders do leaders pull people together they're inclusive they find the best in people. They bring out the best in people. They're trying to find ways to uplift, enable, and inspire others. That's what they do. And yet we don't teach any of that. We just let them go. And you see that the captain is like treating kids on the team worse than they would their own, like an enemy, like, like, a, like, like the opponent. They treat them worse than what they would treat the opponent because they just don't understand and no one's really communicating it to it. And this area, the whole idea that there's natural leaders and there's like, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Leadership is a is one of those skills that can be real, can be taught and it can be influenced at a very young age. 
And this is a, a an area that I think I'm trying to influence it on the ice because I think there's so many things we can do in training environments to promote this and start building these skill sets in players where they learn how to invest, learn how to. And the other aspect that dovetails with that is learning how to compete with each other. They don't real like a lot of players like to say they're competitive, but they're not really competitive. And they like they like to say that they compete hard, but then they don't like to compete. And the reason I know that is because when I go watch practice, I can see what goes on. And the competitive aspects of practice are not all that competitive. And people don't like, you know, I'll give you an example. So you play, you, you do a one-on-one. You have your best player against like this 10th forward. 10th forward gets like a little tick that wins the, that wins the, the, the rep right there then they never win like this guy goes 10 times against this one kid and he finally this guy gets a tick okay that kid should be celebrated for that hey that was a great stick that's a good job the guy that lost the good player should be going over tapping him on the head hey that was a great play you know whatever trying to build him up instead no you see him body language is terrible attitude is bad starts looking at his stick as though like his stick is broken or something creating excuses all that bullshit all happens and that's what i mean that's you see this happening all the time and that's they because that's an inability to understand how to compete in a friendly environment like a team to make yourself better at competing when it gets unfriendly and you're in a group environment playing against an opponent who is trying to beat you and then the whole idea about compete competing is pulling people into the fight. That's the whole idea. So again, competitiveness is reliant upon, especially in hockey, upon people coming together and inspiring others to be able to get into the fight, to dig in, to have a purpose that's beyond themselves and to come together to try to win. Well, we just tell them to do this or are these skills that they learn or hey, the kid's just not competitive. What do you want me to do? Or the group's not competitive or whatever. I think that there's lots of great coaches that find a way to inspire their group to compete with each other. But that's not a five-minute conversation, a one-for-the-gipper speech on in the last game of the, of the tournament. This is something that's been built over time. And also the coach's attitude towards individual players and the, their ice utilization also is a big factor in how people view each other and the investment therein. And there's a lot of creative ways for bench management. There's a lot of creative ways for players to invest in each other. There's a lot, a lot of creative ways, line construction. There's a lot of different things you can do to pull people together, to get people to invest in each other, and ultimately, in an important moment, be able to make the play to the right kid at the right time and trust that he's going to make the play because you were doing that all year long. It's like the Michael Jordan story in The Last Dance about Steve Kerr. And for those of you who saw it, uh, there's a there's a part of that whole series in which Mike, uh, Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr describe the game-winning shot where Michael Jordan was expected that he always takes the last shot. In his mind, you know, there was probably going to be a situation in which it was going to be a little more difficult and Kerr would have been wide open. And so he told him, hey, be ready type of idea. And in the end, the play went 
Michael Jordan drew all the drew all the attention. He makes a play over to Kerr. Kerr, Kerr knocks down the shot. The rest is history. But that's an investment in people, and it's learning over time how to invest in people. And eventually, when you do that, you trans—it's a transfer of belief. You show belief in the person, then that gives permission for a person who may not be as inclined to believe in themselves to then start believing in themselves. And people who believe in themselves perform better. They just do. And so the more we can invest in them, I want every kid on the team to feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof and you can do that. And all of a sudden they start making plays and they start doing things that they may not have done had they not, uh, had, had there not been an investment and had there not been people believing in them at the right time. And this is a process that we can build. And that's what I want to, that's what I want to get into. So so then there's so that's the security aspect of it, and then becoming genuinely happy for others, um, because you've pulled them in. Because you pulled them in, they're part of the team. They're part of what you're doing. So now, it's there's almost permission now for the better players who feel like they're better than everyone else. You're really not. You're you become better because you've pulled people in, and that's where the respect is. Everyone, you've you've been able to pull the best out of others. So because you invested in them, you feel like you're invested and you're connected, you're emotionally connected to this player, to this team. So now when someone does something well, of course you're genuinely interested. It's not just a character thing where, oh, the kid's just happy for everybody. No, they invested in the group. They invested in this individual player. They did work along the way to try to improve that player's self-belief, to believe, to improve their uh, collective belief, how much the team believes in them. This player invested in that. Coaching staff invested in that. And now, in the moment of truth, the player is able to execute. They do something of real importance. And then all of a sudden, everyone is genuinely happy. And all of a sudden, now we are running a bakery instead of having a single pie. Um, and then working how to like really teaching players how to work with others and how to lead others. And I think that's a really important thing. And we talk about it a lot. But then when you go watch it. And again, like for me, I don't really care what you say. Like I hear a lot of stuff. My favorite one, and it's a pet peeve of mine, is this whole like culture craze and talking about all the things we do to improve our culture. And we have great culture and this and that. But then I go watch the team practice. And then I go watch a team play. And I see how they interact with each other. And none of it matches up to what you told me. So I don't listen to that anymore. I just go watch. I just go watch and I can see. I, I know what I'm looking for. And it's these types of interactions. What happens when a kid doesn't, what, kid, like your sixth defenseman turns a puck over and it ends up with a scoring chance. A player comes back to the bench. Let's see. Let's see what your culture is now. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see someone come over and talk to that player. I want to see the coach put the player right back out there. I want to see an uplifting. I want to see that two-on-one and that player is in there and their best play is available and it's there. What are you going to do? What's your play? And I want to see it because that's how it manifests. Or I want to go to practice and I want to see the way you compete against each other. 
That's what I'm looking for. And I because I'm that's going to tell me everything I need to know. I'm not interested in listening to what you're telling me. All, uh, the only time I care about what you're telling me about your culture is after I've seen you have good culture. Now I'm interested in asking you what you're doing to bring this out. But before that, I don't I'm not listening. I could care less because I know most of the time it's just a bunch of fluff bullshit uh, because when I go watch that's what I see so what I want to do is I want because if this is my attitude towards other people and the way they're training players and the way their teams are well then I need to be the person that I want you to be able to come watch my practice and I want you to see all these pieces I want you to see all these pieces I want you to see the culture that I'm bringing and that you can see that I'm fostering all of these elements in every ice time that I have. I'm embodying what I believe in. That's what I want to see. So I've been pushing myself over the last several years to try to add a lot of these pieces because it's a real process. Like I had to learn how to do it. Like you don't just wake up one day and say, okay, I'm just going to add these pieces in. That's just not how it works. Like so much of the time, especially like I was explaining in the first, um, in the first or second podcast in this series like I was in single structure just as like everyone else and it took a lot of years to figure out that I was actually in single structure and it was a problem and I needed to evolve past that and start adding other tools to the toolkit well this is where I'm at I'm just keep adding and trying to get better so that when you come watch me you'll do the same you won't ask me beforehand you'll just watch and then you'll start asking me questions based on what you see that's what I'm interested in. Or you'll see it be so unique, so different, that now you have questions. It's like, what the hell are you actually doing? Like, what are you doing all this for? I saw this. I saw that, etc. So that's what's important to me uh, as we go. And, and I think that that's really important. The other thing, too, is I want to build an environment where there's transparency and honesty are two of the pillars. And good communication is another one of those pillars. So we have like these three really important pillars that are that are critical to driving the bus on all this. I have come to understand, and I really believe this to be true, that programs that have a lack of transparency, they have a lack of honesty, and they have a lack of communication, which usually those three things would all go together. There's a reason for that. And and what I've come to understand, and I'm starting to try and have been trying to work on this a lot over the last probably 10 years for me, is to try to be much more in much better in these areas. And what I've found is when I'm at my best, most transparent, most honest, and have the best communication, that's when I'm most comfortable in the material and with the players I'm playing, I'm with. That's when I'm at my best. The times in which I'm most uncomfortable, either with the material or with the players in which I'm with, that's a time where it's more difficult for me to be transparent, honest, and and have good communication. And I think that's a really interesting point. Sometimes you don't know the subject matter enough, so it's difficult. You don't know the players well enough. You Maybe you coach a player all year, but you don't really know them. Like you don't, you haven't really studied their game. You don't really know what they bring. You kind of have a fair understanding, and you can give me like an elevator, uh, an elevator description, but you can't really like tell me the details of this player. And the more you don't know the player, 
the less the harder it is to be to be honest it's difficult to be honest when you don't know the one of the real foundations of honesty is knowing what you're doing and i and i really believe that and that's that when i started to really think of it in those terms it did change my perspective and and encourage me to really do more research and be more intentional in what it was that i was trying to do with each of the players so let's go through a little bit of the process now um, like I said, I've kind of detailed these five elements in the different podcasts individually. Now I want to kind of pull some of these pieces together. So the first, when I look at the process, so the process for me doesn't play out in the order in which I described it. The single structure, parallel structure, personal structure, interpersonal development structure and practice habits. The, it doesn't lay out like that. The way it lays out for me in the practical aspects of it is it all starts with player assessment. Like to me, knowledge is power. And that's where my transparency, honesty, and communication is going to stem from is the more I know about this, this player. So I need to know everything I can about them. I need to study them. And for me, the most important part about it, about it is learning how they think, how they think, how they move. And then that, that impacts then their habits of how they play. So that's number one. I really want to know that. I, you know, I, for me, it, it's not really strengths and weaknesses. Like when you talk to people about a player, the first thing they want to tell me is what the player's no good at. And then they want to tell me maybe what they are good at, but doesn't really tell me anything because I don't care what they're good at and what they're not good at. I can see that myself. For you to tell me something I don't know is how they think. I want to know how they think. So I want you to tell me how they think, how they process things, what they're, what where they are in terms of their ability to uh, understand the speed of the game, how they their processing speed of the speed of the game, and the impact that that has on their habits. That's what I'm interested in because that's going to talk a lot about my development approach with that player. So number one player assessment and really understand i don't want to hear he needs to skate faster he needs to shoot harder he needs to work harder i don't want to hear any of that none of that matters to me i want to hear specifics about how they think how they move and how those two things impact the decisions that they make when they're playing and the habits that they have and the things that they do consistency consistently or not consistently so that's number one then what I like to do, and this is kind of like, this is a little bit of like a bit of my training coming out. And that is I'll take those, that player list, like almost like a, not a depth chart, but like a chart of what the way they think and kind of how they move and the habits that they have. And I'm look for commonalities amongst players and then look to create a list of pairings of where they're either they're either um, they dovetail directly together because they have the exact same needs or the way they interpret the game is similar. So I want those two. I want to understand that those players would be a good pairing in similar. And then sometimes that's the opposite. There's one player the way they play the game. Just to oversimplify this, it's not like not this simple, but for this for our purposes here, just a good way to describe it. You have a player who's tremendous offensive mind. Like all they think about is offense and they have a brilliant ability to think offensively. And then you have another kid 
who doesn't have that kind of mind, but they're very good defensively. So those are two kids that pair opposite together really well. You have an offensive mind versus a player who's more thinks on the defensive side. It's kind of interesting, right? Which is kind of like the way we used to approach line construction, right? You want a player who shoots the puck pretty well, that's their shoot-first mentality, their goal scorer. You want to pair them with someone who can really pass the puck. Makes a lot of sense, right? Well, the best a lot sometimes that's great, but other times the the best uh, the best way someone would understand this shooter would be another shooter sometimes a shooter recognizes a shooter more so than a passer recognizes a shooter and there's good some good instances of where that's that's true and so understanding that and, and be, having that in the back of my mind for the way in which I might set up a development session it might be sometimes putting people together and some that for the purpose of more like collective thinking along the same lines and then sometimes is to create this opposite pull effect um so that's so that so that trying to create that in in a, that secondary chart in a different way that kind of stacks this in that way i think is really important then i want to communicate that assessment to the player directly and i think that's really important and really talk about it in the way in which they can understand it I want to talk about it in a collaborative sense. Off, this should be a, a dialogue, an exchange of where the player is able to add some context, some colors, some ideas to it. Um, it should be, uh, opens the door for communication. But again, I've done the work first. I'm not just sitting down with the player and say, okay, like what kind of, tell me what kind of player you are. Oh, what about this? What about that? No, I've already done the work. I've already assessed this player. I already have my hypothesis and now I'm coming to confirm my thoughts on what I saw and I want to hear it from the player. I want to hear them describe it. I want to kind of poke it a little bit and see what other things I'm missing. I want to get an understanding of how they how they think about their own game, where they think they are. That's where I want that's where I want to go. So there's that. Then I I also in beforehand, I want to have a good understanding of the practice habits that are important to me as a group. What are these habits? So I want, you know, I want you to land at the net. I want like the good habits that everybody wants. I want you to finish your routes. I want you to, uh, I want you to be, uh, to be intentional with speed. So I don't want you just going a million miles an hour all the time, and I don't want you just sitting around either. I want you to be intentional with speed, take looking to try to skate off the puck, to jump into a play, to like, but be intentional. And when it's time to go, go, go with speed. Like I want that intensity of speed. That's really important to me. So whatever the habits are, you can have any number of them, and I hesitate to just throw out a hundred of them. I'd rather, you know, just throw out a few to get your mind going because you all know what kind of habits that you want. Passing. I want the appropriate pass. I want the right weight on it. I want you to focus on the right weight for the intention. So I can't, I want to tell you to pass the puck as hard as you can every time because then there's a time in which I got someone on the backside of the ice on a one-timer situation and now you're firing rockets at them and they can't one-time the puck because you're not passing it for the intention of what the result would be. In this case, 
we want a one-timer shot, so you have to pass the puck with the proper weight. So the puck's going to get there, it's going to get in the right area, and the kid on the other end has a fair opportunity to shoot it. So that's another habit, pass appropriate. I'm going to do different things in a practice to get you to pass it differently. Maybe a spot to space. Maybe you, you got to zip it. You got to put it in there. Uh, get it in, pass it in between two checks. Maybe you got to sauce it into space. Maybe you got to, you know, pass it to somebody who wants to catch and shoot it. You got to pass it appropriately also. One of the habits I like is pass to handedness. If the player is a right-handed shot going down the right side, I don't want the puck in their feet or behind them. But if the player is a left-handed shot going down the right side, now they're on their off wing, I don't want the pass in front of them. I want it in the right spot where they can make choices about how they want to handle that puck. So that's really important to me as well. And that it creates intention, right? So those that's good habits are any a good habit, practice habit, is something that player has to clue into and think about. Like they gotta they gotta be processing this stuff. You can't just mindlessly go through it. That's one of my I don't want that. I want you to be doing things with good intention and to understand what the purpose is and execute based on that purpose. Um, so that's number one. And then I want to provide space in the practice for the players to be able to execute those habits. So every practice, a player should be able to execute all of my practice habits needs. I These are what we do. And when you start the season, the way I like to do it is you start with one or two practice habits that are critical to you and you're all over them about those habits. Then the next practice, you add another one and add another, until you get them all in there. So you're kind of gradually doing it. And then you want each individual player to also, as you're in your education process about educating them about their practice habits, that they're doing the same thing. Uh, hey, I know you know, my, my shot is good, but I tend to shoot it over the net. I tend to overshoot it. So I'm going to focus on keeping the puck uh, on the net. I'm going to shoot lower, half the half the height of the net. That's what my focus is. Whatever, whatever it is, doesn't matter. I'm going to pass with a little more, a little more feel and touch. Like I want to make sure that I'm doing that. So I want to be able to get that, the, the team practice habits, and then I want, and as when I meet with the player, I want to talk to them about their own practice habits and getting their practice habits going as well so that they are continuing to add pieces to the way they're viewing practice. The number one practice habit is to be able to take a look at the practice, the drill that we're doing, the game that we're playing, and figure out a way in which this is something that they can work on something specific inside of that. That's most important. Um, passing with your feet moving. We don't pass standing still. Even though I have it where you, the guy starts in this line, he's moving beforehand. I don't want him standing still. Always moving in beforehand. Figure out where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, but do it in advance. I don't want you just standing there. That drives me nuts. And if you're standing still, passing a puck standing still, now I'm really losing it. So those kinds of things, are those bother me. Those are important practice habits. I'm putting them in there, and we're going to have this whole undercurrent going as we go forward. The next thing I want to do is start the interpersonal development structure from day one. The expectation is that we are a team and we are working together. 
And then in concert also with the way in which we're going to set up the competitive aspect, teaching them how to compete against each other. Very important. And that process starts day one. I like to look at it like day one, everyone's a captain. No matter where you are on the depth chart, everyone's a captain. Everyone is, you're the captain of your own ship, number one, but you're also looking to be inclusive and find ways to be upbeat because we're trying to uplift, enable, or inspire people all the time. That's what we're trying to do. And we're going to build a culture for that, but we're actively doing it day one, that whole thing gets started. And how they act, how they interact with each other, it's critically important to me. So that's another one. Then I want to integrate the parallel structures into the practice design. And this is where there's a significant amount of time working on kind of both sides of the coin, right? So trying to get the opposites to work together, get people to finish their routes to where they're going to the next thing. All those things are either working together or working opposite, but there's going to be a lot, a heavy amount of parallel structure in which the players know that what the what other person on the other side is doing is directly helping them. I also want to teach reflection. It's a very important aspect to me. Teach reflection. Active reflection amongst teammates after a rep and then active reflection between me and my other coaching staff with the player after a rep. Really important. You don't always need me, but there should be interaction with each player. Hey, great job. Hey, what about this? Hey, I got your stick there. You lost your stick. Hey, if you'd done it this way, it would be better. Anyway, active coaching of each other, just talking things through, things really important. And respecting that each player is going hard. I want that as well. And then in the end, I want to kind of execute the season. Like I want to prepare the team to ultimately grab hold of this process. So I think this is a misnomer as it relates to team like there's a lot of times where you'll hear in the media like the players grab the team well that was a process it didn't start like that we just didn't hand it over to the leadership and then they just took it over that's not what happened it was a process to which ultimately they had embodied all these elements and they did it at such a high level that now they just didn't need prompting anymore they were able to just take these ideas they became the actual culture of the team, and they just did it on their own. That's what turning over the team is to, to, uh, to the coach. That's what it means. But the coach has done all this work for months with the players to ultimately get it so that they ultimately seize control of all these ideas, and they do it on their own at a high level, and they expect it from each other, and there's an accountability that's built amongst each other. That's a process that was built first. The trust was built and then they invested in each other. And now they're at a point where they can communicate honestly with each other. And it's a positive rather than biting at each other. You know, the kid comes off of the, the bench and you see the kid biting at him. You know, he's yapping at him and he's, he's biting. We don't want that. We, that's not good culture. That's not what we want. That's not accountability. Uh, or you see the coach stand there. All these results based. So player comes around the net. Four times in a period, the defenseman, retrieval, escapes the pressure, round the net, pass the winger. Same thing. Dump in, retrieval, escapes the pressure, round the net, pass the winger. Does it four times. On the fourth time, though, this time, 
puck gets intercepted. Well, that's the end of the world because it created a scoring chance again. So kid comes off and right away he's either given the cold shoulder, he gets moved around on the line, he he uh, moved back of course because he's got to miss shifts. His account because that's accountability. We got to make him account. I might yell at him this and that. That's not accountability. That's bullshit. That's not what we're doing. Accountability is when player has done it four times. It was three out of four were done well. The accountability part is what happened in the last one that changed the results. What did you see that was different? What happened that was different? What 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 can we do to make it four out of four next time? There's a conversation that happens about what happened. It's a reflection, but we don't teach reflection. So when we don't teach reflection along the way, players scared to come off. That's no good. That's not what we want. So that's why that's what I mean about executing the season, creating accountability. But you're not creating accountability by having people biting at each other. That's not positive accountability. Accountability is positive when we understand the direction of the team. And when it veers a little bit, what happened? Where's the reflection? How can we support you better? What, what do we need to do to be better the next rep? That's what it is. But that starts at the beginning of the season, prior to the beginning of the season. The more we understand the player, we learn about how they are, we invest in them, etc. And then we have something like that happens. It ends up with a scoring chance. We get scored on. Then you have good leadership because people on the bench, so when they come off, the coach doesn't need to say anything because the kids are already there, uplifting them, ready to go. And ultimately, they go back and they, they you know, create a heightened sense of responsibility to get that goal back because this player has been a great player for them all year long, great teammate, and we don't want him sitting in that. So we're going to go and we're going to go make this happen. And then it becomes an inspiration. Uh, the next thing we want to do is um, as that's kind of like the process. And then there's like a million skills here that we've talked about that, the coaches also need to learn. Like I said myself, like when I go through this list, I can already tell you there's six, five or six things right away that I need to be better at. So I like to have a group together before the season even starts and you're doing the work. You're sharing responsibility in terms of educating yourself. People are going out trying to get resources. They're speaking to people. They're bringing information back to the group. You're creating this education process on whatever the topics are that are important as a group. You're like, my weakest area is in, you know, is in communication, let's say. Okay, well, let's find better ways to communicate with people, keep positive. Another guy might be, I have a short temper. I got to find a way to be more positive, more patient. I tend to be, I, if, it, if the pressure gets on, I tend to get negative. Okay, how do we deal with that? Because these are all skills, right? And so we all invest in each other in terms of the education process. So we've kind of gone through it. And the goal is, is for the coaching staff to kind of go through like a mini season in the development process of themselves. So then when they get to be with the team, you feel a sense like you've already been through it. And so it makes it a lot easier because you're going to be more authentic in the way in which you're communicating because you've done the work. Call always comes back to the same thing. You have to do the work. You got to do the self-improvement yourself to be able to help someone else improve. And I really believe in that. And one of the other areas that I know would be really critical is drill design and game design. How are we going to set that up that meet that meets 
the needs of our players, puts them in good spots, and gives them an opportunity to really acquire the skills we want them to acquire, the knowledge we want them to acquire. But that drill design is going to have to evolve every year. It's got to get better and better and better. And learn it. Learn it. Be able to adapt with it. Be able to coach with each other. And then have reflection amongst the coaches. So I, I like... Like the old adage is, is that the team tends to take on the personality of the coach. I really believe that that's true. And I think that if that is the case and you share that, then if we want these players to have this interconnected development platform in which they the sum is greater than its parts and there's synergy that creates gasoline and throws it on the fire of this development uh, path for these players and they just get better and better and better as the season goes along and the leadership gets better and better and better that means that we have to invest in ourselves first and if we can embody that then it becomes more authentic when we're communicating it means that the players uh the players try and do it like one of the things that is another one is i don't like the term selling the players and i know that there's a part of that that's really true but that's not the way I like to view it. I like to view it that you kind of earn the right to be able to pull the player into your process because you've done the work to understand the process and then now it's easier for you to communicate this to the player. But the way I like to do it is I like to prove it. So I like to prove, it's like proof of concept to pull the player in. Once I've pulled the player in, then it opens up Pandora's box, and now we can really get into the the process of pulling people into the cause, rather than feeling like I gotta like sit down and like sell them on it. I just don't like the inference of selling. I prefer it to be we're gonna proof of concept, and then we're gonna talk about the proof of concept. Once you see it happen, go wow, that was really cool. Now I want you to talk to me. No different than what I was talking about beforehand. I don't want you to tell me about your culture. I want to go watch a practice. I want to go watch a game. And I'll tell you everything I need. That'll tell me everything I need to know. It's what the actions are, not what you're saying. I think that that's really important. So my target development environment is something in which I'm trying to build amongst my staff first, create a proof of concept. Now the players start to see it. They start to understand it because they get invested in it. And then, then as the process takes it along, the players start to embody it themselves. And then they ultimately don't need me telling them what to do. They just do it. That's ultimately where I want to go. That's the target development. But that's a massive undertaking with a big project with me having a lot of holes in my own game that I need to fill and might never get filled during the course of the year. There might be a lot of things I'm learning on the fly. And that's where the transparency and honesty and communication comes in. So that's where that's how I want to pull all this together um, as an actual process that we can use to actually integrate true development in skill development, player development, leadership development, and then ultimately team development, team dynamics to make the sum greater than its parts.